Welcome to Emotions Incorporated, a podcast that follows the emotional journey of a Disney classic alongside our personal journeys too. In this limited series, we will be diving into how experiences become memories, emotional validation, core memories, and of course, the colorful orbs that truly live inside out. So hold on tight as this train of thought is about to leave the station. Hey, Hello, Jennifer. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, it's it's here for another emotional therapy session. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is going to be an interesting episode because we're like turning the clocks back and reflecting yeah. on a time of life that was oh so long ago for both of us. Thankfully, oh so long ago. I honestly, thank God. <laughs> both of us just now. I felt like neither of us wanted to say the word. It's that. It's that intense. You know that we were just like. Yeah. I know I, I mean I did I was I'm not like just say I don't want to say but oh my gosh <laughs> no so we today we are here to talk about the wonderful world of puberty okay it does sound better in your accent let's oh, does be it? yeah oh, thank you I appreciate that I don't I don't think it does I think it sounds terrible <laughs> every way to be honest but um yeah I mean puberty isn't something that we see Riley go through in uh, this movie until I might correct me if I'm wrong but until right at the very end where we see it flash up on the screen where it says that Riley's like entering puberty does that happen or is that in my head yeah, isn't it like at the end where they're like, oh my God, like puberty. I don't remember exactly. It's it, there's definitely like a shout out to it. And yeah. I, I'm, it's an interesting one because sadly, I think one of the hardest things about puberty for, for people growing up is that there isn't, there's no start date. There's no end date. You just, it's a shock. you just ride the wave and it's like the rockiest wave ever. Like it can be so so like consuming of everything um because almost like i i went to, i visited my friend this weekend um and she's just had a baby and he's so gorgeous but i do i was he was like crying a few times he was very well behaved but where be crying and stuff i was thinking like he can't express the way he's feeling through talking he's got his teeth coming out for the first time like all of these horrible things i'm like if that was happening to me right now i couldn't talk <laughs> right too teeth, i had no teeth and they was finally coming through i couldn't eat anything with like i just was swallowing i was like this I would also be feeling this way. But then to bring that back to puberty, I think it's this this other wave throughout your life where you just have no expectation of what's about to hit. And then it just comes like a boulder. It's just like, I'm here to, to mess with your emotions and to make everything feel 20 times more interesting than it normally would. Um, yes. And like, I think it's a kid too. Like you're just going along your merry way. You're finally like getting the groove of being a kid. And then it's just like curveball after curveball of... Yeah all these things also that are as you can tell by the way like we're talking about this right now like it's a little taboo to talk about so adults don't even not every adult I think we're getting a little bit more progressive in this area as a whole but like I think adults still like struggle to talk about it in a way that's like understandable and digestible for you know kids because it's so far out of left field nothing they've ever dealt with like and it's kind of hard to put into words because a lot of it is really like feelings and like changes that are happening to your body that like you said like you literally have no control over like your body's on its own time clock so you know it is that's an emotional experience in itself because you just kind of like don't know what's gonna happen yeah and I mean obviously it is it's the process that everybody goes through but I 
there's no, I feel like there's no real way, again, we're not talking from a psychoanalytic point of view, but more of just a general person that experiences life's point of view. I don't really know what it, what it's all there for, you know, like other than that transition from being a young person to being an adult or a child into being a, into being a young adult, at least. I, I, it just, there is, and maybe that is because we're not, again, hopefully things are more progressive now, but because it is so taboo, I feel like you just, nobody really, there's no, there's no setup for it or anything. And it's, it's no one size fits all for anyone either. Like everyone has different, different things that happen to them throughout that stage in their life. And it really is just, there's, I think even if we were talking about it more, you could never fully prepare for what puberty like for what that period of your life is like along with exams and the pressure of you need to know what you're doing with your life and all this other stuff as well that like that, that doesn't even come into puberty that's just that's just the the way society's expected us to um start planning our lives away you know so yeah, yeah I think as much as it's from my perspective as much as puberty isn't a focus of inside out the movie as such it's definitely a big part of Riley's I, I do think she's on the cusp at this point at this point in this movie we yeah. see her going a bit AWOL um and yeah definitely something that I think everybody can relate to yeah and I think too like it happens at such an early point in life like in the grand scheme of things that and it's so short technically like I feel like there's just really no way to, I don't know, like, I feel like nowadays, like, let's say, like, mental health or, like, a big struggle that a lot of people generally have, like, adults all, like, experience different things on different levels, and people will start, like, speaking out about their challenges, but, like, when you're a teen or a kid, like, that's, there aren't really, like, platforms for that, and there aren't really, like, you know, it's not as long of a term of like certain things that other people go through as adults so it's like ah you'll just get through it you'll be fine and I think I don't know I wonder if like there's a bit of a lack of like empathy and compassion because like adults at least like went through it so long ago like I genuinely were talking about this I'm like I haven't thought about this in years like I just kind of blocked it out disassociated from it like never wanted to think about it or deal with it again like I just am who I am now but like maybe I don't know. I don't know if there's like a better way to support kids going through this transition because it's like kind of, I don't know. It's really kind of mentally taxing. And I think we take on a lot of that stress, like as we grow up, like I'm sure we can talk about this in a little bit, but like, I know I still have like some body image stuff from back then that like still peaks through like to today, you know, because just that feeling of being so uncomfortable within yourself for the first time and like not knowing what the heck to do about it like I was like what do I do with this I think as well where everyone's emotions (laughs) and hormones are on such different levels as well some people find like found it comical to take take out their issues out on other people yeah obviously like I mean you're in school anyway bullying happens and all that stuff but um I think because we are we are, are are more outspoken as a society now I I don't know how this how the school system works and how progressive parents are these days but I think then we are sadly falling into a trap of 
uh, this, I don't know if you, if this is like a phrase that's used in the States, but um, snowflake generation is something that is quite widely known here now. And that is calling, calling a young person a part of the snow or a, sn- a snowflake or part of the snowflake generation because they take everything too delicately and they, um, and the way they absorb issues and, and like anxieties is, is too delicate and you should toughen up. So I do mm-hmm. think it can end up having a reverse effect where we become too vulnerable with the way that with with our time that we go through during those stages of our lives in puberty, where we um where then we're almost criticized because we are paying attention to the way that we're feeling. So it is it is frustratingly a never-ending cycle, isn't it? Yeah, like where we just told to like suppress emotions and like not deal with it and like now people are like actually expressing how they feel or, you know, some, a lot of people are more sensitive than others. Like I was a really sensitive child. I'm still like sensitive adult too. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. I actually think that sensitivity is power. And, you know, if you can learn to navigate it, like you are able to like transmute that energy into such deeper compassion. But I just like, I don't know. I also think that's kind of like a societal thing. Like, Oh, push your emotions away. Like one of those things again, like, and it it also ties to like that whole, the whole like patriarchal society we live in too, where it's like that masculine energy is so much more like do, do, do go, go, go. Whereas feminine energy is so much like more nurturing and softer. Um, and like finding the balance between that, like you can't suppress all the way. And you also like you know, don't want to go like too far on the other end either. It's like, where can we find that happy medium of like being really empathetic and holding space for, you know, these kids who are growing, but also help them find their own way in a way where they just feel supported and stable. Like, I think that's really the key. I do think we could be the generation that does that as well, because I think our parents' generation had enough (laughs) empathy to support us through what we were going through but also they their parents generation as much as they might have cared and loved for them when a generation was like tough it up we got through world war ii or like we got through we got through all this stuff like in the past where you didn't have a choice but to to get your act together and so they've had that influence but now we've had the influence of loving supportive parents along with our Mm -hmm. generation being supported you i hope that within puberty for our kids or our friends kids or our siblings kids whatever we can be that voice of reason for them that maybe we didn't have all the time as much as our parents might have supported us they didn't have that understanding because their experience of puberty was completely different it's like talking about it out loud it's generational it really is yeah oh it totally is there's so many variables like you can you can not only is it very well generation but going back to the the fact that every young person has a different experience with their hormones and their emotions and the way that they deal with issues and anxieties in their life. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good discovery and a good way to frame it. I've never talked about this concept before. So this is really interesting to dive into. That was something that I, 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 (laughs) one of the questions I've written down at the front, which I think we've sort of covered, but just to dive a little bit deeper is why do we cringe at the word? And I think I've, I also have, if I've ever spoken about puberty and my like peak teen years I have I've cowered away from like oh god puberty I'm not talking about that even when I wrote the episode title down and sent it I remember we both were like oh god that's gonna be a good one isn't it but like (laughs) it is I think frustratingly because we've all got those little trigger moments from puberty and we've all got those we do remember those really cringy moments and the ways we might have felt during those years 
I think that that's that is why we cringe at it but it's it's frustrating that that's there and I wonder if if there's people out there that don't feel that way towards it yeah there's like this collective energy behind the word that it's like really cringy or really like uncomfortable and because like I'm thinking back on it and I don't know like I genuinely kind of feel like I disassociated through the whole thing like I'm just being honest I yeah and like, I don't even think I really knew what was going on. So I was just like riding the wave, but like, I feel like if I talked about like for me, so like my own personal experience, I was like, okay, whatever. Like I'm just in my bubble, like going through the motions. But like, if I talked about it at school with anybody, not that we would like talk about it directly, which is another point, but like when you talk about it, there's just like so much buzz around it. There's so much like oh my God, this is embarrassing. This is cringy. This is whatever. Yeah. Like why is there so much embarrassment around a thing that is so normal? And again, like if you connect that to any other like bodily function, like that's also really interesting in our society. Like everything is so like taboo. Like you can't talk about, especially like women reproductive, you know, topics or like bodily fluids and functions like it's all like disgusting and it's so normal for everyone like I don't I don't understand those those concepts I feel really comfortable with now I feel like all of the things I would have shied away from when I was 13 14 years old now talking about them I feel proud to talk about them because it's that's that's a part of our uh, the process of being a human being you know but I think it's it's so frustrating that we don't see it like that when we're a kid Yeah, I know. And like, I wonder if it's infused to our media sources, which it definitely is like, that's such a good, like slapstick humor type of topic, but like, you know, like at what cost? And I don't know. I think between that, between school, between just, I don't know, whatever you see on the internet or something, it's, yeah, it's just like this collective belief. And I'd love to challenge it and say that it's super normal. Did you watch the movie Eighth Grade that Bo Benham directed? No, I did not. That was a great movie and a great recommendation as well. Mm. Um, It follows a young woman in America who I think she might have just turned 13. She might be younger, she might be like 12. Um, And oh, actually, what what is Eighth Grade? That would make sense. What what year would, how would you be there? Yeah, around there. Yeah, so and basically, there's no there's no major event in the movie, but it's just following the the cringiness of being like a twelve or thirteen year old and going through puberty, and Mm -hmm. some of the things that she does and goes through. I remember, I remember being that person, and that's why watching the film, I had I felt like I was watching a horror movie because I had I remember had my jacket over my eyes like. I can't believe I'm watching this like, literally <laughs> watching it through like squinted eyes like no this is this is too much because it's just so relatable and then yeah. you realize wait everyone's been through this not one person hasn't had these feelings and, yeah. it makes it, and I think that's what you come to terms with it's like life is always going to throw stuff at you I think it's just puberty the first time since we're that raging little baby that can't work out what's going on in the world and can't speak where we're like oh wait this is different to the norm like why am I feeling this way why are my emotions in overdrive yeah it's so funny because it's like you know those tweets where somebody will like you know tweet about an experience they had and there will always be a reply like did I never have an original experience ever in my whole life (laughs) because I think we all have these universal experiences and all of a sudden like you don't realize like other people have them all the time and like we're not really alone because I think at the end of the day we are all connected as one and we just 
you know, think we're separate because, you know, we can only see out of our own eyes and out of our own story, but we're all kind of going through things in, in our own ways, because there are like different details, but at the core of it, like these experiences are shared and it's kind of like what the human experience like is. It's like just a step in the journey. Yeah. And let's not be so quick to judge because we've all been yeah. like yeah. where we were when we were feeling that way as well. Yeah. I do think like a lot of the judgment too comes from like people's on like discomfort with their personal experience or like traumas that came from their experience too. So it's like when you're met with that, it's as hard as it is. It's like, you almost need to give more love to that person because that's like what they're seeking. I don't know. It's really, it's really interesting. We all just need to, we all, we all need to love and support each other. And I think that's what it comes down to. It does. Let's circle back to Inside Out and talk about Riley's experiences. Do we think that Riley's actions in Inside Out are kind of a teaser of what she's going to expect during her teen years? And like, I don't know, like what emotions do you think are going to take the reins during her puberty experience? I I mean, I know for sure that I, it was either, and I think I've taken this into my adult life as well. It was either really high highs or really low lows. And I think that when I think, when I try and break it down and we'll break down the emotions a little bit more in just a bit, but I think all of my emotions worked together in overdrive in one way or the other. It was literally completely one extreme where I would be within, within a day, I could be the happiest I've ever been, the saddest I've been, the angriest I've ever been, all of these emotions in one. And that all just like, again, I don't think it solidified as one emotion necessarily during my puberty years. But on the other hand, I could be so, all of those emotions could be going a completely different direction and just make me feel so low and scared and and upset. So when I when I think about that with Riley, we obviously saw joy and sadness sort of just shut themselves off from, from her mind. I don't know. I think she's had a good experience. All in all, I think she's had a good experience now with how to manage her emotions. I just think that the way they go into overdrive is going to be the concern going into Riley's puberty years. Yeah. But do you think it's normal for them to go into overdrive? Like, I feel like just with the amount of unknown that Riley was experiencing, like in the movie we watched and then like, it's going to be a new unknown. Like maybe that's her, like her homeostasis at the moment is like, everyone's like really intense but then as she grows older, they kind of like get more used to those surprises. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I can I th- see that. I think as when you think the dashboard like triples in size by the end of the movie, that yeah. like once they fix it, it's, and it's I think that is the cl- complexities of life that shows itself there. It's it, it all becomes a tangled mess, <laughs> like from that point. And then as you start to get into your 20s, you're like, hey breathe like we've we've done it we've got through that bit and and there'll be more challenges but I just think that was the point in my life and I think it will be the point in Riley's life especially seeing all of the the drama that happened towards the end of the first Inside Out movie that um reflected how I 
I got myself just so tangled in the way I felt and in my emotions. There was no, it was very rare, probably unless I was in a Disney park and I was still probably sad because I couldn't get on the rides or one of the two. It was just an emotional mess. But I think, yeah, it just, it was very hard to highlight an emotion at one time. Mm. I feel like as much as there were, there were those standout moments where I would have felt angry, I would have felt joyful, et cetera. I think the way Riley feels, I think it will just be a little bit of a mess and, hopefully her emotions will whether they're in overdrive or not just work clumped together to get her out of those sticky situations which they did in the last one so I'm hoping they would have learned as well and they're going to be able to work a little bit faster as well she nearly got in that bus and thank god she didn't right they're learning right along with Riley and like I guess this is a personal tie but like when I went through my healing journey for my health issues that I had for a long time I had to adopt the mindset. Like my body is always working for me. So like, if you kind of take that mantra and put it towards like anybody, um, like for Riley's instance, like her emotions, let's say like her emotions are always working for her. So even if they're like going haywire, it's like, so they can learn how to be more mature as she becomes more mature, mature. So they can all, you know, work and elevate together because I mean, if you think about it, they are, what, 11 years old in the movie? Like, the emotions are 11 years old, whereas, you know, her dads or her moms are, like, 40 or 50 or 30 or whatever her parents' age is, years old. So, like, they're all learning as the journey goes on. So, I think that, yeah, they're kind of, they're working together for her. So, I think she can only grow from there. But, it's it might be a little haywire along the way like I think we all go a little haywire during our journeys you know I do also question whether they will even touch on the puberty side of things maybe we'll see Riley in like her 20s or her 30s which I know I mean they could yeah that could be cool I don't know I'm really excited to see like what direction they go with the next movie like are they gonna just continue because there's a whole storyline there, but there's also a whole storyline in growing up like into your 20s. So like both of those topics are really interesting. Yeah. I would be, I'm excited to see what they choose. And I also am excited to see like how clever they can get with it because I think the first movie was just brilliant in the way they broke everything down. So like, if you go to this different age, you can really break down even more details. And I think we'll just- be able to laugh at the relatability I think that's the thing like we said before everyone goes through this stuff it's that's yeah. right so I was talking about it with some of my work colleagues and one of them was saying that like the, the movie came out just as her son was being born and they used it as an aid for him like to see things as red or see things as yellow see things as blue because oh that's so helpful to, I know and it just allowed she was saying that it just allowed him to work out how he was feeling as he was growing up and she said that he still uses that mentality as much as I say out loud he uses that mentality now so again I think the baseline for the first Inside Out movie is so great it's Mm -hmm. now just a case of taking that that pinpoint of wherever they want to go with Riley's life and using the same the, the science is there it's just now tell us where tell us where we're going with Riley and we'll go for it which which surprises me that it has I I feel like Disney any any studio could very easily oversaturate an idea like this because it does work but it's quite nice that it has been a length by the time the movie comes out I think it would have been 10 9 or 10 years yeah the last one and it'll be so it's so nice that we get to go on this other journey with with these emotions and with Riley once again and and 
relate to the way she's feeling and probably cringe a bit as well especially <laughs> especially like we said it was the puberty years yeah <laughs> oh my gosh I like I want to use that idea with my own kids someday I yeah. think that's super brilliant like I've said a million times I think this movie just makes emotions more tangible and that's such a gift in itself so yeah, definitely. it's really awesome or it'll be entertaining we'll see yeah. <laughs> obviously we have um as we've said already in this episode we've all been through um our own moments during our puberty years and uh, i think the easiest way f- for us to to think about each emotion is literally to break it down into the way we felt that emotion peaked and that emotion um was a part of us during that time and I think also to compare that to the way we are now yeah I love that idea like let's use the exercise we were just talking about and break it down with our own experience here because I mean I'm looking at the list and I think every single one was relatable (sighs) it was there somewhere yeah yeah (laughs) okay well I think we should start with the most obvious emotion when it comes to puberty which is discussed yeah. <laughs> um, and we can work our way up from there <laughs> yeah, exactly uh I I think for if I start that I I think discuss like you just said it was very prominent for me I um I was I've always been an overachiever with whatever I've done I've always been looking for the next project or the next thing to challenge myself with which now that is a really great skill to have but growing up I would that would go one or two way one or two ways I would either be disgusted with my disgusted disgusted with myself because I wasn't overachieving and I wasn't I wasn't doing as well as I wanted to and I was being too hard on myself and that would lead to a whole other plethora of emotions but on the other hand the disgust um could also and I'm being honest here lash out on other people as well because I I, I could be envious and I could be jealous sometimes that somebody would have been picked up for something over me or that somebody and again as as an adult I think that could, can be problematic and I think it's something you do really need to deal with if it's still something you're dealing with now but when when you're younger you've got no concept of competition and about being professional and you just you just want to be if you if you're an achiever you want to be the best achiever like there's no room for second best and also school the school system does teach you that you want to get the best grade you want to be top of the class so I want if I want it I'm going to get it but then sadly that then did did with all my emotions as as crazy as they were during my puberty years I could take that out on not necessarily take it out in like any aggressive sort of way but within myself it was this vicious cycle of well you're not doing good so you should be disgusted with yourself but then they're not doing good so be disgusted they're doing better than you so be disgusted with them and it just Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like disgust just was a big cloud over my head for so many years until I just thought and I can I literally remember one day just thinking enough like just you're gonna do what you can do you're going to get to where you're going to get, just put the effort in. And it doesn't matter about anyone else. Just focus on you. And that disgust does start to diminish. It just starts to go away. Yeah. I feel like your emotions matured in that moment to really. Yeah. I literally remember it. I was, it was, it was like probably halfway through. I, I would, I don't know what grade this would be in school, but it was like basically towards my end of my high school years. And I was like, I'm done with this. Like, I want to study still. I want to do well. I went to uni, blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I want to have fun. I want to stop like 
hating on people because they're doing better than me and I want to start yeah. and I just I th- that is not me at all now <laughs> and it wasn't even a massive part of my outward personality but inside I beat myself up because yeah. of other people's achievements and I would be happy for people obviously but that little demon inside of me would just be disgusted at that situation yeah that totally makes sense but hey you grew through it and yeah. that's just yeah that's an amazing awareness to gain especially like at that age you know yeah. Definitely. Um, what, about, what about you, Jess, with Disgust? Did you feel? Yeah. So I think I, sir, I really experienced a lot of disgust when it came to body issues and changes. Um, and I think this is an important one to talk about when it comes to puberty, because that was, you know, especially as a woman, as a girl, like that was a huge change for like me to go through personally. And I know a lot of my friends went through it too. Like I ended up going to an all girls high school. So like, you know, we all were going through these kinds of things or we had just gone through them. But I think the hardest thing was um, like too, I wasn't the oldest cousin in my like family. So like there were literal children and then me and I just felt like a giant. Like I felt so tall. I felt so big. Like I was taking up so much space and it was uncomfortable and like as a woman too in society like you're told to take up the least amount of space as possible be super like thin be super fit be super all these things um and I was just like disgusted that I wanted to eat pizza or I wanted to go out for ice cream all the time and this was you know during a big era of when like you know Weight Watchers was really big or the Atkins diet or all those like diets which you know if they're used healthily like they can you know I feel like Weight Watchers, I've seen people actually have success on, but like, you know, when you are like 120 pounds and you're like a child, like it's probably not healthy for your hormones or your body, you know, and I just, I thought I was eating too much and I was always like trying to, to like take away what I was eating and restricting myself. And I was disgusted that I wanted it. Like I was disgusted with my own desires to want to you know, eat. And I think because I was disgusted with my body, like it all kind of connected. And I think it was just a really, really hard thing to deal with. And I never was able to talk about it to people because I didn't understand what was going on because I just was like, oh, I feel fat. I feel gross. I'm eating too much. Like I'd say all these things, but I didn't realize like how much of an issue it actually was mentally for me. Cause it was just cycling, cycling, cycling. Yeah. Um, And I think it's really hard too, because there isn't really the space at that time anyway. Like, again, we're getting more progressive now, which I'm so thankful for, but we have a ways to go. But like celebrating women's bodies just like was not a thing back then. And I, you know, it was like either, you know, you're super stick thin and you're in the movies or like there was no sense or Victoria's Secret model or America's Next Top Model. And there was no like reality of like what your body could be you know it was like you're either really thin or you're not pretty and that was so hard um and it was this weird like crashing like realization I think around like seventh grade that I had like very early 2000s and it just like it really got deep in there um just like with I don't know I just felt really disgusted with myself, which is so much to untangle. So 
yeah, to, on top of your, you know, your normal bodily changes, but then to like not feel comfortable in your body no matter what, like even though, you know, that was like the smallest I've ever been in the most, like, yeah. you know, I was so young and I wish like I had the support or resources to like help me like understand like I was really normal it's normal to want to eat like food <laughs> like it's yeah. actually crucial to eat food um and again normalizing the process of of those feelings is really yes. a huge part of that and hopefully again is a big part of it now that we that we do just normalize the fact that it's normal to feel this way but also it's normal to find solution for feeling this way as well Absolutely. Like nowadays too, like I'll be scrolling on TikTok. There's a few girls who focus on like body issues. There's this girl named Victoria and this girl named Spencer. And like, if you ever need some support in that area, like DM me, I'll send you their TikToks. But like they make TikToks about like loving your body and like how you go through changes and things. And they're a little bit older. They're like, you know, in their late teens, early or late teens and twenties. But like, I never had a role model like that ever. And I don't think a lot of us did. Um, so I think that it's amazing that people are speaking out about it right now and like becoming more comfortable in their bodies. But it, yeah, it's just, it's heartbreaking to know that like that younger part of myself was filled with so much disgust for my own self, for my body that was like getting me through life and getting me, you know, helping me like go run in the fields or like, go you know remember like what I need to know for my school tests or you know spend time with my friends like my body was my vessel to be able to do all those things so yeah you know I think there's a lot of like self-compassion work I could still do with my teenage self and just like sit with her and send her so much love and healing for that because it was really hard yeah. and like I think a lot of like women especially but men too like I think a lot of us can relate to that um depending I mean, on what you went through back then or now I mean I don't know if you remember um the did you like Nintendo Wii Fit did you ever use that like, yes the, I can't like when I think back to that now I used that religiously as a kid and like and the fact that I was being called obese when I was the size I was because of my height I'm like how how was that I know it was little things like that and there were so many little niche things that would like trigger it and it was just like programming in my mind that I was not okay to be the size that I was yeah and you know and then I think they would do like the BMI scans at school or something and then like the really skinny people would be like oh I'm skinny and then like if you weren't like underweight like you were basically overweight and it was just like you know, and then you just feel so disgusted with yourself and so yeah. upset and it's messy. It's really messy. So I know I just went off on like a total tangent no, there, but no, I think it's... that's a really, I think that's a really core one yeah. um, that I experienced out of all the emotions, out of everything. Like that was the hardest part of puberty for me. No, that's like, that's so, it's so important to reflect on, on things like that. And I think it's the transparency of um conversations and self-reflections for yeah. of ourselves now that allows us to have better relationships with those those key parts of our experiences with those emotions during our puberty years so yeah. no I think it's it's really good for and we we know that thousands and thousands of people probably millions of people go through the same things. so and yeah. yeah I just hope that people can be 
kinder to themselves basically and um, that disgust can evolve um, rather than stick around as you come out of puberty. I know I literally hug my body and thank it now because it's just gotten me through a lot and yeah. you know I'm just really really grateful for my health every day like whatever size I am like that does not just like determine if people love me it doesn't determine if you know I can have fun and do like travel and do things with my friends and like you know exist like having your health is more important than anything so size aside like thank your body today exactly exactly well, let's let's move on to some anger, I think. Yeah. Anger out, you know. Um, <laughs> I, Have I laughed? Uh, yeah. No, we like it. We've said this. We like getting the anger out, like yeah. hitting a pillow, you know. Yeah. Slumming anyone or anything in the process, the pillow won't mind. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so anger in in I feel like I was very angry during puberty. I feel like that was just quite a uh I I got along quite well with that emotion during those years. And again, I think that um, it's really like organic anger management to be able to to go through the process of anger during that time in your life. I think to pinpoint one thing, I think I might have spoken about this in an an earlier episode, but I I was deaf for... um, well from I was diagnosed when I was three years old I had to wear hearing aids until I was about 13 years old really I don't remember I spoke about this I don't think you've spoken about this on this um yeah so it was um it was tough and I mean regardless of the bullying and the people thinking in the hearing aids looked weird and stuff I um I wasn't even that phased by that I was more angry that I um there was something wrong with me that I didn't have any control over and again totally natural emotion yeah and this goes for anyone that has any kind of disability um that you that they that you do there is that just that anger with with yourself annoyingly when it's nobody's fault that's the universe's decision like that that's the way sometimes things go and you have you have disabilities and it to link it to joy I when i I actually ended up being told by um, the, I don't know what they're called, um, the ear doctors. I don't know. See, that's how long it's been, thankfully. A specialist. <laughs> yeah, ear specialist, yeah. Um, but that department basically sat me and my mum down and they said that your hearing is really poor. Um, it's going to decline from here on out. And um, wow. you're, you're probably going to lose all of your hearing by the time, I think they said by the time I was 60. So like, again that was a big prediction it's a big forecast worst things could happen like but it was a lot to hear as like a 12 year old and Mm. especially the fact I was I already had to deal with these hearing aids knowing this wasn't going to go away um because it can in teenagers it can go away quite it's quite a common thing where you have it in your early years and then it and then it does disappear the fact I was at that point in my life where there was like no you it would have happened by now if it was going to and they ended up giving me these really expensive hearing aids um that I, that was fully funded it was really great um and I had them for about six months and they just weren't working for me anymore and then we went back and the 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 ear specialist had basically said that um I wasn't going to need them anymore and that my hearing had corrected itself and I still have a lot of issues with my hearing and my ears now from all the operations I had on them and there's still scarring there and I, it's never going to be 100% perfect but the fact that I no longer had to wear hearing aids I was as much like I went through this whole roller coaster of 
I was I'd been angry for so long uh yeah. it was it wasn't like a dominating emotion throughout my childhood but as I was get, getting into puberty any anger that you naturally feel in those years anyway was being taken out on something like I said that I couldn't control but the fact that I felt that angry and then was able to feel that joyful about the fix on that really did prove how emotions work hand in hand and that mm-hmm. you really do need to take those little wins throughout because there's going to be stuff that kicks you down but there's always a silver lining to everything in some way or another you're going to be benefited by those times that really do make you angry wow that's an incredible story yeah yeah I'm really happy that everything worked out but yeah that's a lot that is so much to deal with as a kid and again like it's not it's almost being like working in a job now you don't have one responsibility you have loads of responsibilities and it can be an overflowing overflowing bottle of of whatever and it just it can get so overwhelming and imagine that with all of your emotions and not just a workload that's what we went through as kids so like when so when you think about like oh I didn't manage that that well when I was younger yes we did because that was just one very small thing in the in the grand scheme of puberty you did the best with what you could at the time that you did it and that's you know I always try to tell myself that because I will always you know, kick myself and be like, oh, I could have done better. And it's like, no, you did your best at the time. Like yeah. you knew what you knew at that time, you know more now, but you know, that's all you could do right then. And that's okay. Definitely. But yeah, anger definitely is prominent during puberty. I agree. I think my story is a little, or my connection is a little bit more generic, but I just think I would remember, um, feeling angry when I was not able to like have things that other people had and I didn't know how to understand that you know um you know like you said like whether it's grades or whether it was something material or whether it was a certain teacher or whether it was you know like I think I just didn't understand like if things weren't going exactly perfectly how I envisioned them like I had to get upset about it um and that was okay because like, you know, you only know what you know when you're young and now you only know what you know. Um, but I think, I think it was almost just like not knowing how to transmute that anger into, you know, surrendering to the moment or, you know, letting go of control and trusting that it's going to work out. Like, you know, if you don't get paired up with, you know, this teacher this year, but you know, you're in another class and you meet your best friend, like, thank God you weren't in the other class, you know? It feels like the end of the world, doesn't it, when it happens? It really does. And like, I think it's so funny because these things may seem so small to an adult, but to a kid, like, that's their whole world. And like, when you have all those emotions, like when the anger comes up and you're just like, oh my God, like, I'm so upset. Um, Like, but you're told like, oh, that's not a big deal. You're overreacting. Like, that's really, that like, that creates so much shame, you know, within yourself. So then you start to not trust yourself and not trust your emotions. So I don't know. I think that anger is a tricky one because also like, I wasn't like a really, like, I wasn't, I hate all things violence. Like I'm a very peaceful person, but like I could be, I think I took my anger out in like words to, you know, you know, the people I love the most, like my family, like I would be like, you know, yelling about whatever, or like saying mean things. And then I'd feel guilty. And, you know, I think 
I talked about this in anger too. It's like learning how to not like take out your anger on other people and like really transmute it within yourself was, has been such a lesson for me over life. Um, because you know, it's like, it's nobody's fault that like certain things happen. Like you said, like things are out of our control, but it's like, how do you respond to those situations versus react to them? And until you can kind of differentiate that and get out of your autopilot of your habits, like you might just be like reacting from that place of hurt in a way that, you know, is either damaging to other people or yourself. And I don't know, I think there's a lot of awareness to cultivate within anger. And it's an interesting one to reflect on for back in those days, especially. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Well, shall we move on to fear? I guess so. <laughs> I think it's fear's a difficult one for me because I feel like there's no specific thing. It just was there. I was, was eternally there. scared. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was just. I was worried about everything. I was, and I. It's probably one of my. I think we spoke about this in our in the emotion episodes that we had at the start of this series. That I think fear just. I think we're almost expected to fear things now. Like I think it's it, anxiety and fear and worrying is just so common because as as good people we don't want to upset anyone. We don't want to break the status quo. We don't want we want to want everything to go the way it should. We want we we just we're fearful that if we do something out of line we're going to get in trouble or we're going to um we're going to end up ruining something for ourselves and that was that was where all my fear came from it just was constantly wanting to to do well or to bring good and it has it does sadly when you when you become over fearful of that it can have a reverse effect I would check my school bag 10 times on my way to school to check that I had everything in there so I wouldn't get in trouble and so that I could do as well as I could in all my lessons and my my parents used to drive me to school and they'd be like, they it got to a point where they said, like, you need to stop. And they wouldn't let me bring my pack in the car with me. And but now I'm at a point where I've dealt with that. And now I leave things all the time. I left my car keys at, at my house the other day when I came back to Lawrence's. And I had yeah. to get my sister to come and give them to me in London. But you know what? That situation was stressful. But the fact that I have managed to control things like the little things like that, that there's always going to be a solution. Yes, you have to be responsible, you have to be careful, but letting fear take hold of you especially when when you're younger when you're going through puberty it's going to be there anyway so you can control one emotion I think that's the one that you should really pay attention to because it it can it can really grab hold of you it definitely did for me yeah maybe it's an accomplishment that you were able to leave those keys behind because it meant (laughs) you were kind of I wish I feel that at the time (laughs) I know but I mean if you like reflect back on it like the, the situation definitely stunk at the moment but like hey, you came a long way to yeah. be able to like let go and know like you can figure it out after exactly. and it's not the end of the world if you forget something. So I guess that's, you know, a little positive that came out of that situation. Yeah. But I'm glad it's okay. I'm glad you got your keys back. <laughs> I got them, I got them, it's all good. What about what fear for you? Did, I'm guessing it was a similar situation. Yeah, I just feel like fear was just such a driving force like as a kid and as an adult too. Like I just realized how fearful I am of everything and not in a way that I was really conscious to until like a few years ago but um yeah I think we are set up in our society to be fearful just straight up like if you know I think a lot of times this is an adult connection but when 
you know, you may think like, oh, I want to travel to this country, but that you've heard all these stories and all these things and all of these, like all this noise that like going to this place is not safe. And of course, you know, there are things that happen. There are things that happen everywhere. But then if you get to these places and like, it's just fine and normal, it's like, oh, that's so interesting. Like I was so scared to go here and it's actually okay. You know, I mean, use your discretion, obviously, but I'm saying like a lot of the times when we say like, we're scared to go do something, the reality is like, it's actually okay. Um, I'd say a, a good portion of the time, but yeah, like as a kid too, and like connecting it to that, it was like, I'd be so scared to start a new grade. I'd be so scared to stay after school and join this new club because I didn't know anybody. And it just, it just was never as scary as I thought it would be. And even if it was uncomfortable and I hated it, and like, I never wanted to go again. Like, at least I went and I saw that. But I think my fear and the anxiety that I held as a kid made it so much worse than like the situation actually was. Like, whatever it was in my brain was not what it was in reality. And I wish I could have just experienced it for what it was and decided from there versus like having all these preconceived notions that it was going to be horrible um, beforehand, you know? So yeah, fear is a really tricky one. And like, obviously we did a whole episode on it, but yeah, yeah during puberty, especially like trying those new things at school was just like, oh, dreadful. And, and I think it was dreadful. I think, I think a lot of it comes from um, things you hear from other people, like even, even the way you want to go on vacation or go and explore and travel to things like, I think that a lot of that comes from family members and and like people around us yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, where you are and at the end of the the, there are opinions for a reason sometimes like sometimes there are places that aren't as safe as others but I or even even when it comes to clubs and stuff like it's oh oh my my child went um missing for three minutes when they were on their school trip or when they went to their club they were left out for and it's like unless you experience those things for yourself as long as you're safe and like don't let that fear overrun those things because you can meet amazing people you can have amazing experiences that can shape your whole life if you if you and that goes for puberty and for now yeah yeah I just I think it really comes down to the sense of like really getting tuned with in tune with yourself and asking yourself like do I feel safe doing this number one and like is this belief or this like thing that I heard from whoever like is it true is yeah. it actually actually true or is that their projected experience is it their fear is it an yeah. assumption like what like is it really true um because i don't know i think i just spent so much of my life just hearing what other people told me and just like taking that as truth without ever realizing like oh maybe that's not the universal truth like maybe that's just what they experienced or maybe their assumption about it so yeah that's a practice that has evolved as my emotions have grown over the years yeah yeah, yeah. so no, i think it's something we should take with us from puberty into into life now as well yeah agreed Let's move on to sadness, I think. Oh, 
I just felt sad. Felt <laughs> <laughs> well, the little blue orb. <laughs> yeah. No, she's so cute. I think. I think for me, I think. I do think sadness and joy, I think I said this in, in our episode, I think they really did come hand in hand. I think the other three emotions throughout puberty for myself had very isolating experiences. Like I I, knew, I can think back to when I felt disgusted. I can think back to when I felt anger or fear. But when it comes to sadness and joy, I think they did come hand in hand. And like we see in Inside Out, where Riley is sitting sad because she lost her hockey game and then all of the hockey mates come and they raise her up and her parents they're giving her a hug I had a lot of those moments where a lot of my most joyful times were because of the times that I felt saddest as well I'm, I'm finding it hard to pick pick a thing out like I have for the others, others as well but I do think it's because they are such dominating emotions which makes me happy as well that they are because I especially throughout puberty because I I think it's really taught me how to, like I'll say it again, really celebrate the little wins to understand that feeling sad is is only because joy and sadness do work hand in hand and that sometimes you need to feel that sadness to feel happy again and feel joy again. So for me, like I said, there's not a specific thing that I think of in puberty. Oh, there was this one time because I think a lot of a lot of the time, the other emotions are all there in the middle somewhere. They're all doing their own thing. But for joy and sadness, they were either end of the spectrum, but they did work as a united force to influence the other one. And most of the time, I think all of the time, actually, I would say it was sadness that turned into joy then and into now as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think sadness is an interesting one during puberty. I think that from my experience that I remember the times that I felt most sad was when I like had to let go of something and change into something new. Like I would have an amazing class of people and an amazing teacher and I'd have to move on to the next year or I'd have, um, you know, like we'd be living somewhere and then we would move and it would be, you know, that only happened one time during that span of time, but it was sad. Like you don't want to let go of things that are from your childhood. I think that was the first time I became aware that I was, you know, growing up and I was like, oh, I'm really sad. Like I miss when I was five and I just was so, you know, doing all of these things that I did. And like, cause I would look at pictures. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've grown so much since then. Like what the heck happened? And I would almost mourn it because I didn't even know that I grew so much. Like that was the first time I was like, oh my God, like, I'm not a baby anymore. Like I'm an, a yeah. teenager. This is so weird. Yeah. And I, I think it made me sad because it was that first real moment where I was like, I'm never going to be that again. Like that, you know, that version of me like will exist in my heart, but like never physically. And it just went by so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, I don't know. I think, and I think I still get sad over things like that. Like I get sad when, you know, if things evolve and change and I've definitely navigated that a lot more now. Cause I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this is life's path. This is how it works. Like this is the flow. But sometimes I'll look back at pictures from 10 years ago and be like, Oh my God, like my college program. I miss that. Like I miss those friends I used to see every day. I can't believe I used to live next door to one of my best friends. And we used to just go to the parks and have fun and yeah. You know, it's just like, I don't know. And, and maybe it's it's the nostalgia thing like we talked about in the sadness episode too. Like it's just it's melancholy because it's so happy. Again, it's 
that joy connection. So happy that it happened, but so sad that it's gone. So again, cherish the present is the synopsis of this whole thing. Yeah. And would and would you say that when you think back <laughs> to those times in your younger years, that it is similar to what I was saying with even though those things do do become become sad thoughts for a second because you because you mourn them and you miss them but like when you when I think of those like landmark moments where I might I might feel sad about something it does then it does then start to resonate into something happy if it was like that cycle just doesn't it's never at least for me stopped at sadness Mm. um there's always been something whether it's immediate or not that has come back around and it's like okay the sadness happened for a reason and that's what just joy yeah wow yeah wow we're so like somber now <laughs> i know no 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 let's not end on that note let's not end on that on end yeah let's end with night. joy let's yeah a little joyful puberty memory yeah i for me it has to be the first time i went to disney world i was 12 uh-huh. years old i know i keep bringing it up sorry if, sorry if you're bored of me talking about disney world i'm also going tomorrow as well Yay. so it's like <laughs> bringing it it up you know living the best life but um just I've said it before it's safe place it's a happy happy place it just all of those all of those negative feelings and thoughts just just left me that first time I walked down main street and it just to this day just brings me so much joy and I think maybe maybe the reason I love it so much now maybe this is the reason why so many people do love it is because when you go as a young person you just feel so immersed in cheesy but the magic you really do and I I, still to this day now that just I know I can just go there and and be my younger self and forget all of my fears and my worries and just enjoy myself Mm -hmm. that's so heartwarming that's where my joy that's where my joy sits yeah yeah and that's a really good thing to have as an anchor in like your younger self you know because you really had that beacon of joy. So Yeah, exactly. I love that. I feel like the first thing that really comes to my mind is just whenever I would have any sort of gathering with friends during my, like those like early teen, preteen years, I think that was the first time that, you know, outside of school and like little play dates, like we kind of got to be our own people and it's just fun to reflect back on those moments whether there was a birthday party or we went to like an ice skating rink or we watched rom-coms on the couch on a Friday night like I don't know I think those are really sweet moments that you just as you're an adult you still do those in like you know your own way but it's so much more planned you really have to like pick it out in advance but like just the thought of like hey mom can I go to Shannon's house after school and she'd be like yes and it's like oh my god I'm coming over <laughs> like it was so exciting um and you know whether you like we're talking about what was going on with you or you're just playing like you just would make up a dance yeah and it just kind of helped you get out of your head for a while and be like in that moment like I think it was really like a grounding experience to be with your friends because you're just like it's time to play. I've got two hours. Let's go. And it's yeah. so much fun. So I th- I think it's, it's interesting that when I think of puberty and I think of the emotions as we've just broken them down, I think that the, the less positive 
four we'll say they're not they're not irrelevant they're still very important but the less positive four for me sit in this big ball this big bubble of stuff and then joy does sit over here and it's a very equal playing field like as much as I think back and I, I question why I think oh god puberty and that's because there was this very overarching yeah. weight here but on the other hand like the joy was so strong as well like I had so many good memories to have so many good memories from from puberty that also wouldn't be there if, if I weren't able to em embrace that over that overdrive of joy as well as all the other stuff so we learn from the bad but we can remember and cherish the good I think and I think that's what's so great about those years yeah I think that's the real takeaway is like it's not an either or it's not like it was all bad or it was all good it's yes and it's yeah the joy and the sadness, the joy and the fear or the anger or the disgust. And like, even if some days disgust was more overpowering than joy, like in the long run, you need to experience all five yeah. to get the full experience. We're working it out, aren't we? Nobody's, <laughs> yeah, nobody's exempt from, you know, going through puberty and it's, you know, it's kind of like your, um, what do they call it when you're like, you're like being initiated into adulthood or yeah. being a human. Um, so if you can find the glimmers like we did, then you can see like it was all worth it. And it made you who you are today. Exactly. Weirdly enough. <laughs> I've actually enjoyed this episode so much more than I thought I was going to. I thought I thought yeah. I was going to sit here cringing the whole time at the way I was and don't get me wrong there were cringy times but I think it's I think one my main takeaway from this episode is be transparent about those cringy moments in your life don't be afraid of them because we've learned something from them and we can especially something like puberty is such a huge part of our growth and who we are today and it wasn't that long ago either so it's, it really it's, wasn't no and I, think, I think the more we can just talk about it and even laugh about it or yeah reflect like it makes it so much more normal and it's like again like I said it's just something we're all going to go through and it's a stepping stone in life that you know you can't skip over so might as well find the parts of it that were you know beneficial and like also honor the parts that kind of sucked because that happened too <laughs> exactly oh so, once again to have I'm glad we talked about this I love it. you know who you know who ever sits down and talks about puberty for an exactly. hour so thank you <laughs> thanks Riley. for doing that I, with me today and, and Jess as well for that I love it I love it yeah. so much oh uh, well that was another episode guys this is um yeah we're coming to the end now we've got two episodes remaining of uh, emotions incorporated but it's been so so great so far and um i think if anyone uh, has any opinions or feelings about um what they've listened to so far please do drop us a message and let us know because it's great uh, to hear what people think about um our experiences and also your experiences as well absolutely and you can even leave us a review on apple podcasts if you would like and we probably should have mentioned this way earlier in the season. It's because we're live now that I'm like, oh, we're, we're actually on a platform now. So yeah, it's exciting. So <laughs> yeah, is. thank you guys for listening. I'm excited for our, our last two episodes and I've just really enjoyed this whole series and it's such a fun little treasure to have and to reflect yeah. back on as time exactly. goes on. 
Well, to finish up, a little plug from us both. Uh, my Instagram, you can follow me on at Mr. Bradley Coker. Uh, that's my personal Instagram, but you can then also follow my other Disney page, uh, which is at the Disney Confessionist. And my podcast is called Confessions of a Disney Cast Member, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. And Jess? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at jessicafay 508 And you can also visit my travel blog at theroadjesstraveled.com, traveled with one L. And if you would like another podcast option, you can listen to my other podcast called Rediscover that I co-host with my friend Kristen, where we dive into authenticity and rediscovering all of the things that make you, you. And there we have it. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.